Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, editor at EM360. In today's episode, I'm joined by Neil Jones, Director of Cybersecurity Evangelism at Ignite, and we're here to talk about how to keep up with evolving data privacy requirements. Neil, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. How is your day so far? Not too bad. Not too bad. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks. Lovely. Uh, could you just tell the people kind of, you know, who you are, what you do, and uh, what Ignite is? Yeah, so I'm one of these fortunate people in life. I get to do what I love. I'm a cybersecurity evangelist, so I help to ha- help organizations to improve their cybersecurity and also data privacy, which we'll be talking about today. And Ignite is a secure collaboration solution that allows organizations to share content more securely. And obviously, data privacy is extremely important to us right now. Excellent. Thank you for that. And and kind of, you know, sort of diving into the, that day of data privacy space. It, it's obviously quite, quite broad, right? Um, so, so let's kind of start by setting the scene. Um, how are data privacy laws viewed in the US compared to the UK right now? This is very interesting. Traditionally, within the UK and continental Europe over the past, say, five or 10 years, it's really been that privacy has been viewed more as a human right for folks, really a fundamental human right. But in the US, it's been quite different until very recently. It's really been around a commercial exchange. For instance, I need something, I want to enter a contest, I need information, so I'll share or trade my information to be able to do that. But that is actually changing within the United States. Consumers are a lot more aware of data aggregators. Those are organizations that take various data points about all of us and combine them together. And so with some of those aggregation activities, they can actually determine perhaps your political affiliation or even your family situation. And so a lot of consumers are getting more concerned about that. The other thing is that there is a lot more awareness, particularly in the state of California, around how organizations sell consumers' data. And so it is advancing in the United States, but it is a little bit more primitive than in Europe and the UK. Yeah, I think I think one kind of quite interesting thing, obviously, I, I live in the UK. Um, and I think one business reality that, you know, quite a lot of people over here don't necessarily think about is that not everyone is covered by a law as strong as GDPR. Um, so, so, you know, what from your perspective is kind of happening in the space right now? Yeah, so it's interesting again. So in the UK, UK GDPR is truthfully likely to be replaced over time. Even the UK Secretary of State for Digital Culture, Media and Sport recently stated that UK GDPR would be replaced by what was termed a British data protection system. Obviously, a lot has to go into that, and that would be requiring a lot of negotiation within the government and lawmakers as well. In the US, it's a different story. There is actually a federal law, a federal bill called the American Data Privacy and Protection Act, that has received strong support within the U.S. House of Representatives, at least in the committee stage at this point, 
And that is actually progressing to the full House of Representatives. Uh, Similarly uh, to the UK situation, especially in an election year here in the US, Matt, the chance of it actually being passed as a federal law in 2022 is truthfully fairly unlikely right now. Meanwhile, though, as you probably know, there is always the federal versus state situation that you see in places like the US and Canada, for example. And California's CCPA will be transitioning to the new law, CPRA, early next year. And actually 10% of US states will be covered by comprehensive privacy laws by the end of 2023. California, Virginia, Colorado, Connecticut, and Utah. So rolling this up into how everyone on this podcast would be affected by it, it's foreseen that by 2024, 75% of the global population will have their personal data covered by privacy regulations, according to Gartner. So this is a fast moving space, particularly for for uh, technology. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you say that because it's probably one of, if not the most kind of affected part of enterprise tech that, you know, it, it's so kind of at the, the mercy of, of current events. So with all of these kind of elections and votes moving around in different parts of the world, how, how do these events mold companies' technological decisions? Well, there's a lot going on right now, so let's break it down. The first is these organizations, they require automation to be able to manage the volume of what's called data subject access requests. Being in the UK, you're familiar with that terminology. What is a data subject access request? It's essentially the ability for a consumer to determine what data is being shared or stored or shared about them. And it also allows them, for instance, the courtesy to be forgotten or have their information deleted. So imagine with all the regulations we talked about growing right there, the number of data subject access requests is ballooning within the world. Also, very importantly, organizations need to address privacy requests on behalf of consumers that come from what's called authorized agents. So authorized agents are empowered to be able to submit privacy requests on behalf of consumers. So if there is any takeaway for our listeners today, Matt, it's if you don't know what an authorized agent is and you don't understand how it will impact you, really need to do some additional research. Also, at a bigger picture, there is also a much stronger convergence now between cybersecurity and data privacy. And I've even been to some recent events in that regard. Before, there was really a firewall between data privacy and cybersecurity. And honestly, I'm not sure why more people didn't see that protecting data requires cybersecurity and data privacy protection together, right? Compliance and also security. And then finally, and this is probably the most important driving factor, the recent Sephora action here in the state of California has consumers looking much more carefully at how companies are sharing their information. So companies have to be more careful about their procedures around disclosing the sale of information and how those processes work. And also the most important thing of all is 
cure periods, the time that's required to actually solve a problem. A cure period simply means a, an issue has been detected with your data privacy program and the regulatory agency has reached out to you. You need to make sure that you make the corrections within the time that the regulatory authority has requested and you keep them apprised of your activities and document everything. A big part of the Sephora decision, if you read about it, is around the cure period and how that was managed. Got it. Got it. And I think, you know, you've touched on quite a few moving parts there. I imagine this is something that a lot of customers are struggling with right now. What are some of the, you know, more common challenges specifically that they're facing? So the first one is, and I say this with 100% respect, often my experiences in meeting with our customers frequently, they don't know what they don't know. They really need education around the various regulations. They need to know which ones apply to them. Even certain regulations might apply to nonprofits, uh, might not apply to nonprofits, but actually apply to for-profit organizations, simple things like that. A lot of times also organizations have smaller teams, so they have a hard time keeping up with the volume of DSAR requests that we were talking about earlier. Also, and we're seeing this across all types of industries, is they're often following really one-off or manual processes, processes that are hard to scale and hard to replicate. And so a lot of times they're thinking about ways that they can automate the process. Got it. And, and you know, I imagine this is something that when companies want to start looking at this, it can be quite a big kind of task to undertake. With regulations evolving so rapidly, what are you know just a few areas that businesses and consumers could you know start with and prioritize to to get their kind of strategy underway? All right, cool. Let's let's break it up into the two categories. So first of all, mm-hmm. for businesses, we just talked about automation. That's extremely important. Try to figure out a way to automate the process and. We talked about also sometimes a lack of knowledge. Work with an organization that's aware of the different policies and regulations that are out there and maybe has experience across different industries. Stepping to how companies can make their situation better, first of all, the number one thing is know where your consumers are. A lot of people don't realize that many of these regulations are driven on where your consumers are rather than where, for instance, your company is based. So if you're a North Dakota company in the United States and your customers are in California, based on the requirement, you may be subject to a certain regulation in California, like CCPA. Also, you need to identify what regulations impact you and set an action plan for them. Now on the consumer side, that's a bit different. First of all, this is frequently said, but I wish people would follow it more. Only share what you need to share. So let's give an example. If you have a one in 1000 chance of putting your business card into a contest to maybe win a prize, that's probably not worth sharing your information anymore. If you are registering for 
a report that you are just jamming on a report at work and it's due tomorrow and there's a resource report that is exactly what you need and you need to share some basic business data to be able to accomplish that, I would say it's probably worth it. The other thing that I always share, like I said, Matt, as a cybersecurity evangelist, education is really important in what I do. And this is the most important thing for your listeners to be conscious of what you're sharing as well. Here's a simple example. This happens all the time in my actual world here. You go into a store, a pharmacy slash chemist or a supermarket, there's an affinity program and the customer goes up to the clerk and the clerk says, hey, do you have a membership account with us? The clerk, the person, the customer then says, yes, I do. My name is Neil and it's under phone number 857-555-1212. Inevitably, the clerk says, I'm sorry, I didn't get that right, or I'm sorry, I didn't hear that properly. So then this time, a little bit louder, the person is like, it's under 857-555-1212. I can tell by your laughter there, Matt, that you have seen that yourself. So what is happening is that a lot of our listeners don't realize that you're then giving your personal cell phone number to anyone within the general vicinity. So I don't want our listeners to be scared here. What I want them to realize is just be mindful of that. And so what I recommend is asking them for a pen, writing down your phone number on a little slip of paper, putting that in your pocket, and then recycling it when you get home. You still get your points but you don't broadcast your phone number or your email address to the entire customer base there. I want to tell you in the world I live, I see it many times a week, three or four. So, um, you know, so that's how consumers can handle it as well. In addition to businesses. Yeah, I think that's, that, that's definitely a great piece of advice. Um, my, my kind of final question, cause, cause I imagine, you know, especially on the consumer side, I think a lot more people are kind of, waking up to just how many different kinds of places are are trying to get their information um let's say in like a decade or so 10 years time how do you feel like the world of data privacy will look you know what what laws are going to come in and what's going to be the general sort of attitude in the next decade yeah so it's that's a great question i really feel like this is we're at a fundamental time in history right now where you will see that globally privacy will be reviewed as a will be viewed as a human right i feel like that is going to be changed and more codified i also feel like organizations are going to understand that a lot of times the amount of data that they collect is actually a lot of unnecessary information that ends up causing them to have much higher storage costs and really doesn't often accomplish their business goals. I often think of the story around when the uh, US cigarette companies went through uh, the lawsuit years ago around the health impacts of smoking. You probably remember that one of the smoking gun bits of evidence was a memo that I believe was from the 1950s, Matt. So there is also a value for organizations to not store data that they don't need to store. 
Yeah, in response to that tobacco point as well, I also remember, I think it might have been uh, John Oliver, uh, obviously on, on your side of the pond. And he was kind of talking about the way that Google stores information and sort of collected a bunch of people, you know, inquiring about, you know, um, job opportunities and, you know, how, how can I earn money quickly and stuff. And that data was collected, sold onto companies, and all of a sudden they're getting bombarded with loan shark ads. So mm-hmm. again, I yeah. think it's it's a thing that consumers are definitely waking up to because it can have serious negative impacts on their life. Yeah, John Oliver is brilliant. I uh, he was here in Boston recently, but I wasn't able to go. Uh, but he, yeah, but um, you know, just he pushes the the envelope and just you know kind of the british style but pushing the envelope even more than the average american is <laughs> kind of a, a nice combination for him so very well said and and kind of just to kind of wrap this all up you know obviously you're the uh, cybersecurity evangelist at ignite uh, how, how do you guys kind of fit into this picture so ignite does offer an ignite for data privacy solution and what that is, is really enabling companies to simplify and automate their DSAR processes and many of the things that we talked about in this call. But even more importantly, as we outlined throughout this conversation, we have a lot of customers coming to us as a trusted advisor. They really need to understand what's going on, how these new laws impact them, and truthfully, how they can manage more effectively. So Ignite is always willing to set up a data privacy workshop for our customers to really talk about their specific requirements and learn about where their needs are and how Ignite can help. And most importantly, it takes a village. I know that sometimes comes off as a bit of a cliche, but it takes a village to be able to keep up with all these changes because they're coming at us so quickly. So Ignite and a variety of different organizations that you might do business with offer a series of really nice resources around data privacy, training sessions, and obviously I'm happy to help if anyone reaches out to me directly. Neil, thank you so much for all of your great insight on today's topic. How can people learn more about this topic? So the best thing to do is, like I said, there's you can always learn more for this. You can reach out to Ignite, reach out to me personally. Ignite even has a special data privacy webpage and a lot of resources out there. And also if you Google my name and Ignite, you'll be able to find them. Yeah, and we'll also be linking all of those resources down below. And remember that's E-G-N-Y-T-E dot com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. But until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, please head on over to EM360Tech.com. Cheers now. Thank you, Matt.